Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Poucher, the COO of KLogix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice on the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Today, we're joined by Dr. Iman El-Sheikh, Director of the Center for Cybersecurity at the University of West Florida. In this episode, we will be discussing how to tackle the workforce shortage from Dr. El-Sheikh's perspective. So hello, Dr. El-Sheikh. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me on the podcast. So before we jump into the topic, uh, I thought we could just take a, a brief moment uh, for you to walk us through, through your career. You've been at your current um, organization, University of West Florida, for over 18 years, which is a big deal. So uh, talk us through what brought you to your current role as cybersecurity director. Sure. Uh, well, I, I must say I love what I do if I've uh, been in it for over uh, 18 years. Um, I originally got into higher education um, because I had a strong interest in solving um, complex problems and more importantly in mentoring students and the opportunity to inspire future generations. Um, I got into my current role as director of the Center for Cybersecurity because we do have a huge complex problem in cybersecurity workforce. Um, We have a crisis at the national and global level. Um, Currently, we have over half a million unfilled cybersecurity jobs across the country as we speak, and estimates project a global deficit of 3.5 million by next year. And so my goal is to do something about that. So let's get right into it. Why do you believe that there's a significant lack of talent? We know there's job openings, 500,000, a million, depending on who you talk to. Why is there a talent shortage? Well, there's a number of factors that go into that. First, um, the cyber threat landscape continues to evolve very rapidly. Every breach brings some new information about what the hackers and attackers are doing. And so there's a need for evolving knowledge and skills that makes it difficult for people to get in or keep up with the field. In addition to that, it's a relatively young and new field. And so many uh, institutions, colleges and universities across the country are still ramping up academic programs and training in cybersecurity. So there's a need for uh, evolving um, knowledge and skills as well as broader participation in the field. Right. And when it comes to broader participation, we could even look at gender specific in the fact that there's only 15% women if you look at all the current fulfilled positions and you're a female, how how can we change that? Well, uh, it's certainly an issue that's very um, dear and near to my heart is enhancing participation of women and diversity in the field. Um, I think the challenge exists because of, you know, stereotypes and myths about what cybersecurity jobs uh, are like. Um, young, younger women and, and girls are often not drawn to roles where they see they're going to be working by themselves, uh, pictures of hackers on TV, uh, things like that. Um, so there's a lack of awareness that uh, cybersecurity roles are very multidisciplinary in nature. They often involve working as part of teams. 
solving mm-hmm. complex problems. It's not just the lone individual um, worker type of mentality. How we can change that is by developing uh, more cyber awareness, particularly in K through 12 settings. We really need to start with the younger generation and in, make sure that everybody's aware that cybersecurity is everyone's business. Everybody needs to be involved um, and create opportunities for more mentoring, more diversity, more inclusion, and more awareness, starting with the um, younger generations. How young? So I have uh, three kids. I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And I'm thinking more about the 10-year-old, who's almost 11. Is that the age where we should be starting to foster some of these interests? Like, what are your thoughts on what we should be doing and at what age? Well, I think it needs to start as early as elementary school. Um, Our kids these days are growing up in a digital world. That's all they know. Uh, They often get tablets and access to phones um, and digital and smart uh, devices in elementary school. And so we have to think about what information or awareness are we giving them to develop good cyber hygiene right from the get-go. I think every school, starting with elementary schools all the way up to high schools, just like they do safety drills and fire drills, they should also do cyber hygiene drills, right? Go through, here's what to know about your digital device. Many schools now give students digital devices. Here's how to protect yourself online and really kind of build that culture of cyber hygiene and cyber awareness from the ground up. Kindergarten, not too early. Mm. So fast forward a little bit to when these kids are college age. So if you look at yourself and your university, what actions are you doing to try to attract more of these students into your program? Well, our goal uh, has really been to build a culture of cybersecurity from the ground up. We do that in several ways. So um, as an example, we have been hosting camps every summer Mm -hmm. for not just K through 12 students, but also for teachers because it's not just important to engage the um, students at a young age, it's important to prepare the teachers for how they can integrate cybersecurity and cyber awareness into their curriculum. Um, So for the past three years, we have been hosting camps. We have been um, honored to receive funding from the National Security Agency and the National Science Foundation through the Gen Cyber Program, where these camps are free of charge to participants. And we've been the only institution in Florida to receive that funding for the last three years. Uh, This year, we are excited about, in addition to our teacher camp, we're also doing a camp for middle school girls Mm. in partnership with the Girl Scouts, where the participants will be able to er earn um, Girl Scout cybersecurity badges as part of the camp. Um, So that's one example. Another program we launched recently is the Cyber Ambassadors Program where we wanted to reach out to uh, children and community members beyond the camps that we offer here. And so our cyber ambassadors are our own bright uh, students at the University of West Florida who go out to the schools and to the community organizations and give demos, talk about cyber careers, talk about cyber awareness mm-hmm. to really take the message to a broader audience. Do you have any sort of indication in terms of what, percentage of students that 
have a computer science degree actually stay in that field and enter the workforce in the cybersecurity profession? Like do, do most of them? I think the majority of them do, certainly. Mm-hmm. It, the good, great thing about a field like cybersecurity is that it's so broad where whether you have background and interests in computer science or information technology or engineering or business um, or psychology or other fields, there are roles and jobs available in cybersecurity. So the majority of them certainly find multiple opportunities. Our students often get uh, multiple job offers before graduation. And the kind of vision that we've set is that we want to let students know that regardless of what their interests are, there are opportunities for them to learn about cybersecurity and there are great jobs waiting for them. Um, we want to make sure they're aware of the various cyber careers um, and have that opportunity to then make informed decisions. So, you know, there's been a, at least I've seen it on social media and by social media, I mean LinkedIn. I've seen CISOs recently blogging on LinkedIn about the benefits of a college degree for a new hire in their cybersecurity program. And many of them think that organizations should start waiving the college degree because they're missing out on a huge talent pool given the lack, the big shortage of labor right now. So you're in a unique position working for a university. I guess I'd, I'd want to know your thoughts on that. Do you think that's a mistake? Uh, I think there are ample opportunities for all levels of degrees and all types of credentials. Hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if we are, um, we have a deficit, of, we have over half a million open jobs in the U.S. Right. And that number actually increased instead of going down. Um, so there are entry level jobs and jobs where advanced degrees or undergraduate and graduate degrees may not be as important for those people we offer programs where they would get training or industry certification to go into those types of jobs. For other roles, it's going to be more important to have that more specific or advanced degree, and we offer that as well. So I know that may sound um, you know, surprising coming from uh, a university professor, but we really do believe that we need to expand the pathways into cybersecurity if we're going to make a dent in the workforce uh, deficit. Okay, so let's talk about your staff for a moment. How, so when you talk about workforce development, making sure your staff continues to grow and continues to learn, can you talk about what emphasis you put on things like certifications versus emphasis you put on business training, just workforce development in general? How do you approach that? I think the key is to, you know, start by looking closely at what are the, you know, knowledge and skills needed for that particular role in each particular position. Um, and real and encouraging and recognizing training and professional development related to that. So, you know, first it's important to have a culture that encourages professional development and training. And then to look more specifically at the work roles and what is needed. Um, within the higher ed um, uh, sphere, we refer often to the um, NIST uh, NICE Cybersecurity Workforce Framework, which defines seven categories of cybersecurity work roles 
And for each work role, it identifies the knowledge, skills, and abilities needed for that work role. And so one approach that we continue to advocate and implement is that rather than try to learn everything, you focus on the knowledge and skills needed for each particular work role. So that could come through a training course, that could come through industry certification, that could come from academic preparation. It could be a combination of those. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Another thing that we've continued to emphasize in our approach is really developing the skills instead of focusing kind of on traditional knowledge and concept-based learning that we often see in higher ed settings. Um, we, we think that in, in talking with our partners and employers and looking at uh, the research data, that the key to getting a job, advancing in jobs, is going to be the skills that individuals have. And so we've launched programs to help individuals get those skills and upskill as needed to continue to meet the evolving um, workforce landscape. Now, as part of that, are you talking about soft skills, business skills, in addition to technical skills? Absolutely. I think it's a combination. I think it's uh, important, again, to see what is needed to succeed in their roles. And that's not just technical skills. That is business skills. That is communication skills. We integrate uh, practices of how to make sure you can communicate the right ideas and uh, the key message to leadership, for example, if you're talking about risk management strategies or um, incident response and monitoring, et cetera. Um, and so it really needs to be a combination of business, technical, communication, teamwork uh, skills as well. How can you work effectively as part of the team? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, there's certainly a huge, sh almost every executive CISO we speak to talks about the shortage of business skills in the market right now. So that's, that's, that's really compelling to hear. So as part of your workforce development or as part of one of your pillars, I see is a lot of the research that you're doing. Now this research, uh, can you talk a little bit about that research? Is this researching complex vendors within cybersecurity? What, what type of research are you doing? Well, we're very focused on, you know, driving the future of the field as, you know, higher education, um, bringing that to practice. We look at what is needed to kind of, you know, solve the workforce deficit, what is needed for innovation in education and training, and how can we do that in a scalable and replicable way so that we're serving our local community, but also serving the state and national uh uh, communities at the same time. Do you publish that research? Um, yes, we make sure to disseminate through journals, uh, through um, national and international cyber conferences, um, through books. I recently uh, co-published a book, uh, Computer Network Security Essentials, where the goal was for practical advice, but also get that into graduate courses for use as a kind of research testbed for students. Um, we also share with the higher ed community. Um, the University of West Florida serves as the Southeast Regional Hub for hmm. Centers of Academic Excellence in Cybersecurity. So we're one of eight hubs across the country, and our region includes colleges and universities in um, the Southeast states, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Mississippi, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, and one of the things that we do in that role is make sure that we disseminate 
the best practices and also the lessons learned to those other institutions so that we can all collectively benefit. So let's talk about how you attract talent for your team. Are you finding yourself hiring students graduating into your program? Are you hiring more people from the outside? Is this a challenge for you? Yeah, so unfortunately, it's a challenge uh, for all of us, I think, um, just because it is, you know, a field with zero uh, unemployment at the, at the matter, at yeah. the time, um, especially in higher ed, mm. it is difficult because um, you, you really have to identify people who want to be in an academic setting or let them know the benefits of being in an academic setting. It's a very different environment from private sector or from government roles. And so, you know, we focus on what can we do to uh, um, encourage diverse, qualified individuals to um, attract, uh, attract them to our organization. Um, we focus on, of course, making it as competitive as possible. It's a competitive market out there, but also on the mission. Um, what we do here at the University of West Florida Center for Cybersecurity is very different from, for example, private sector settings where we're really, our broad mission is invent the future, right? Build that knowledge base in cybersecurity that involves, you know, develop, starting with the research questions, answering them, developing scalable and replicable models, um, and learning from, you know, the lessons along the way. So it's a very kind of different mission uh, compared to kind of working in private sector. Um, and, you know, we try to focus on that, that, that there are some people who are going to feel very passionate about making a difference, and that's what we have the opportunity to do here at UWF. I'm guessing you must have a strong mentorship program. Yes, it's very important, I think, mentoring um, for advancement in the field, um, for retention as well, um, and, you know, for keeping up with such an evolving uh, workforce uh, landscape. And so we actually, as an example, recently became the Florida affiliate for the Women in Cybersecurity nonprofit organization. And so as the Florida affiliate, we are going to work on recruiting women from across the state in cybersecurity roles to help mentor college students, high school students, uh, and provide that kind of mentoring and networking experience uh, across the state. Right. You mentioned retention. I mean, retention, I think, is can be just as challenging, if not more challenging, than recruitment from the beginning. Would you agree? Yes. In fact, I think um, you know many organizations across private and public sector are seeing uh, you know uh, retention facing retention challenges, uh, and so I think it's important to emphasize you know and kind of be strategic about how to do that from the beginning. Um, including building a positive organizational and team culture, right? It's important for people uh, from the start when they join the team to know what opportunities are they going to have for um, advancement, for professional development, for training, for mentoring, um, and what is the organization doing to support and engage the community. All those things are important to help attract and retain talent, and I think a key missing factor is always telling that story. 
a lot of organizations may have some of these initiatives going on, but they don't necessarily, they aren't visible about it. Mm. So when it comes to new recruits, um, they need to know that information. So it's important for us to be kind of visible about what we're doing uh, in those regards. Well, well said. So I think we're about out of time. What you're doing, I have to commend you. What you're doing at the University of West Florida is certainly, I think, setting the bar for not only what we should be seeing out of all of our universities, but I think what we should be seeing out of most organizations. So congratulations on what you've built and and what you're executing on. and, And thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and um, I appreciate your comments, and we are certainly open and interested in engaging industry and partners on how we can, you know, collaborate to solve these problems. Um, A lot of the initiatives we have launched are based on, you know, start dialogues with uh, businesses and organizations about what challenges they see um, and what needs they have, and that gets us kind of rolling the ball about what we could do to help. So we welcome the opportunity and thank you again uh, for having me on. Yeah, our pleasure. You know, really appreciate your time, your insight. And I know all of our listeners will benefit from, you know, your thoughtful approach to, uh, to cybersecurity. And as always, uh, you can learn more about this episode and all of our other CISO interviews on our website, klogicsecurity.com forward slash podcast.